Welcome to Talking Mopars episode number 114. This is part one of a two-part replay of the Facebook live stream that I recorded on Friday night. I had a few of my friends join me on the show, including my friends Tad, Irvin, Johnny Mopar, and the one and only Mike Coffey, the Mopar picker extraordinaire. It was fun as always, and I look forward to the next live. And now, you know the drill. If you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars Live. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Oh, it's good to be back. I've already got my buddy Tad in the chat. Let me get him in here. Tad, what's up, buddy? Not much. How you doing, Chris? Good, man. Let me just uh, set this up here. There we go. Oh, it's been a while since I jumped on a live, and it's been a while since you've been on a live, man. It's been a, it's been probably a year. <laughs> Has it been? If it, it feels like it's been a year. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it was February. It had it been January, February of this Gosh. year so almost a year wow that's crazy you've been pretty busy dude oh we got dude. johnny mopar in the chat let's bring <laughs> the infamous johnny mopar is in the house there he is what's up johnny what's up guys what's oh up, tad's here i'm out of here what's up man? <laughs> i was just gonna say i need like i need like a blue light or a red light in my bathroom so i can go <laughs> sit there and look cool like you guys <laughs> uh, oh that's awesome man johnny thanks for joining us johnny was over uh, uh on um Ruben's show on YouTube. Yes. That, was, that kept me entertained on my way home. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're going live. So I thought I'd tune in. Yeah, um, it was pretty cool. cool. Cool conversations with those guys. Yeah. The problem, the, the biggest problem with going live is that everybody wants to go live and everybody's like trying to figure out what day. And it's like the best thing about going live is that it's recorded so you can watch it whenever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, actually, I did a premiere on YouTube and I was like, because I know Brian and uh, Ruben always go live, like Friday, Saturdays, coordinated with them. I was like, well, if I go before him at 530, that'll get all the people on the East Coast the ability to get in, you know, <laughs> without it being too late. And then we could just kind of roll into his live. So I think it kind of worked out. So I, I didn't get a chance to check out the premiere. And to be honest with you, I don't even know what a YouTube premiere is. What is that? So you do a premiere, it's like, let's say I'm going to do a premiere. I can make a video, I can launch it, and then I can set a date that it's going to come out. So like oh. I launched it yesterday for today at exactly 5.30. And then what you do is as, as it comes on, you know, the time you set, it'll turn on, you start watching the video. And if people join in, you could actually, you know, make comments or respond to people that are oh. putting comments in your video. So there's like an interaction going on during the premiere. So uh, I know uh, Blake at Bad Tree Productions does it all the time. I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I didn't see any advantage to it, but I watched some other person talk about how they could be helpful <clears throat> because like, it, I don't know if you pay attention. I'm sure you do, but like on your analytics, you can see like how long people are in videos. So if you have like a 20 minute video, people start, you know, bailing out of the video about halfway through, you know, maybe like yeah. seven minutes or something like that. And you're like, it's, it, which is always surprising to me that, you know, 
people bounce out of them so quickly, but it was saying that with the premieres, if you're interacting with people and they're putting comments, you're going to, they're going to stay watching the video all the way through. And then that helps trigger the YouTube algorithms. Cause it's like, okay, well, you know, you have 15 people watching all the way through the video. So this must be a good video. And then it starts to push it more than like a regular video, just watch whenever, whatever time, you know, people happen to come across it or not. So I just uh, want to say, I'm glad you guys are doing all this because I talked to Johnny for a while at his house one day and he was telling me about all this. And I'm like, I thought you just turned your phone on and started talking, man. He's like, Oh, there's all these. And you do this. And I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) that's what I do. Tad. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Holy equations and stuff, man. Just, (laughs) it's, it's kind of crazy, man. Um, you know, I think it's been about a year and a half. I've been doing it. And when I go back to a year and a half ago, watch the videos then to now it's like with then, as I'm doing this stuff, like you think you're doing a pretty decent job, you know, but what you realize is you learn a lot of stuff as you go, you know, and you start to get your own flavor and your own, uh, how would you call that? Like your own brand, you know, and that kind of stuff starts to get more and more like formulated. So, um, and, and the stuff that, Early on, took a lot of time and it was really hard. It, it starts to get easy and then you can put a little more on your plate, you know? So it's like, especially with editing and stuff like that, you can, uh, you know, when I first started doing it, it was like, like the videos were pretty much just raw videos. And then it's like, oh, I could chop the video up and where I'm not talking, I could put it high speed and I could put music, you know, it's like, you just keep putting these layers of cakes on there as you get more and more comfortable, you know, but it might sound intimidating right now, but you got to start somewhere. And if you're going to start, just start. And then, you know, don't, don't look at the big, all the craziness down the road. Just, just keep it simple. And then as you go, you'll get, you can put a little more on and a little more on a little more on and you'll just get better and better. YouTube's definitely a science. YouTube is a science compared to Facebook and just go live. And um, with my videos, my videos are so, underproduced it's not even funny <laughs> that's what's well, good about them yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i guess <laughs> you can't you can't edit the lives you know it is what it is no, so it is there's, uh, there's less well there's no editing so you don't have to worry about taking time to do any kind of editing you just got to set aside the time to to do it and bs you know yeah. i uh <clears throat> you know i i love the youtube creators because you know, guys like Johnny keep me entertained when I'm in the garbage truck. I can't watch the videos, but I can listen to them. Um, unfortunately, sometimes I have to turn them off because I'll find myself going, oh, what's he talking about? And then I'll stop the truck and then I'll be like, oh, that was five minutes gone by. There goes that break. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I have, to, I have to be pretty careful with that. But um, it, the, the problem is... The problem is I have so many friends that do YouTube videos that it's hard to keep track of them all and keep updated. And I find, you know, especially with Johnny, Johnny's just, uh, he's so prolific. He's just <laughs> cranking them out. And I'm like, damn it, Johnny. But, um, well, yeah. You fit, one in, you fit one in tonight right before this. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when you released the one. <laughs> yeah. That was the premiere. Mike Coffey's Hemi car. Yeah. So that yeah, was what a car. Cool. God. Dude. That he guy, man. I, well, uh, when, when you watch the video, you just, it, it's insane how clean this car is, man. I mean, it's taken apart. The motor and trans is out. The front <coughs> suspension is out. And it's got a little surface rust, but he's polishing it. And it's like most of it's coming out. The interior in it looks 
freaking perfect. He said there's a couple of tears in the back seat, but I didn't even see them. Wow. It's just, it's a total time capsule, man. It is so freaking clean and it's neat. It's neat seeing like these little niche things that they did with the Hemi cars. Like there's this, you'll see in the video, there's this bracket that they bolted on the inner fender well. And it, it looks very, it looks homemade. <laughs> you know, it looks like <laughs> some guy just made it up and it's like, oh, I'm going to mount this starter relay here. And, you know, there's like a couple of electronic pieces on it. And uh, Mike was saying, he's like, yeah, I thought it was like some homemade shit at first. And then I realized it's like, it's actually Hemi cars that had this to make <laughs> wow. shit off the firewall to make more room for the Hemi. So they had to move the starter relay over to the fender well. <clears throat> so it's pretty, it's a pretty neat car. It's pretty awesome. So how many of those did they make like that? Because if they were only throwing those in once in a while, it's like they were probably like, oh, let's drop this engine in here. Oh, let's just well, put so this over here. <laughs> I don't. I don't know the actual numbers, but uh, like Mike was saying, because the transmission is gone on that car, unfortunately. Uh, uh, but he said that it's probably the most common Hemi car. He, he's like, like if it was like his RT, I think his the RT was like what one in a hundred and no, yeah. I think it was like one in eighty five or some yeah. shit like that. One less than a hundred cars. Yeah, but the Hemi car. Out of all the Hemi cars, the 66 and 7s, I, I think especially the 66 is the most common because that was like the first uh, first production year, wasn't it? I think 66, yeah. the first year they put them in production cars. So yep. they probably pumped a bunch of them out initially, and then they probably waned off of them, you know. Yeah, 66 was the first year of the street Hemi. And, you know, what a lot of people forget <clears throat> is that out of all Hemi car production, only 10,904 Hemi cars were ever produced. You know what yeah. I mean? Imagine how many of those are gone, you know? Yeah. So every time I, a Hemi car is found, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I heard somebody say that uh, Chrysler built more aftermarket Hemi, you know, when they were doing the, the crate motors. They built and sold more later Hemis, you know, 426 Hemis than they did back in the 60s and the 70s. Hmm. Yeah, so, I, I believe it. And hey, uh, somebody in the chat, go to Google and make sure my number's right. I think it's 10,904. I could be wrong, but... I, I heard uh, that as well. I think that was on one of the podcasts you did with Mike, um, Johnny. Or you guys were okay. talking was about it? something. Yeah, yeah. I just... Uh, that number... Um, I'd done a lot of research on the Hemi stuff, and um, I, I couldn't believe it at first. I was like, 10,000, you know? And when you think about it, like, really, uh, uh, between, what, 66 and, what, 71? That's really yeah. not that many... <laughs> You know, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. How about that? How about that Cuda that he posted the fender tag on? On uh, yeah. He's like, yeah, bonus points or whatever for anybody that can tell me what this is. And I was like, where is that E74? I was like, no way, dude. No way. Hem oh, my God. Hemi shaker, four speed, super track pack car. Oh, my God. Shaker. <laughs> like, right. it doesn't get much better than that, man. God. Did he elaborate? Because I, I saw him post the fender tag, but I... I don't oh. know if he was buying it or looking at it or I hit him up. I hit him up immediately and I don't know how much he wants to divulge, but um, it's part of a giant horde, I guess, in Louisiana. And it looks like um, I don't know if somebody's going in and pulling out the collection and then trying to flip everything or what. But the guy has a, a claimed two million dollars worth of Mopar parts and cars and wow. just just the Hemi car alone. You know, gosh, <laughs> I, I would venture to say it's a six figure car, but like I saw pictures of it and 
because I was like, you know, what kind of shape is it in? He sends me pictures and I didn't know what to expect. And it is definitely a project car, but it is definitely a shaker Cuda. It's got the tag. I don't know what else it has, but, um, I, uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that Mike's going to go for it. Cause you know, talk about six figures. It's like, you know, for, a, well, for basically a torn apart project car, just to get it back together was going to be a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, I think being a project car is going to be a little bit harder. When I was talking to him, when we did the video, we actually, I was over there one day and I did a video on pretty much everything there. The RT, the Hemi, his van a little bit, his duster, the drag car. And we he's got a GTX, a 69 GTX sitting there. We talked about a little bit, but I wasn't trying to film. I just had the cameras going. So I don't know if I can use it, like if it'll be you know, yeah. too far away and the volume won't be good or whatever. But uh, in talking to him, he was talking about how uh, he could have, you know, it, out of the horde that his RT came out of, or I shouldn't say horde, but out of the find that his RT came out of, he could have bought that 71 Hemi Challenger. And he was kind of saying that he kind of regrets not making the big move on that car. It was oh, man. significantly more expensive than the RT. Yeah. But he was like, you know, looking back on it, he's like, I wish I just went all in, like, you know, pull money out of the house and sold everything off and like just made it happen. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, it's a pretty rare car. I think there was, I think it's one of 58 or, uh, you know, I'm probably wrong on the number, but it was something, it was something like that. Like, really really low number car um, that and if you consider the fact that i believe it's completely numbers matching you know, oh, yeah. all is that is insane and yeah. a, an original condition gosh um yeah. yeah the money on that was probably insane i couldn't even imagine <laughs> it, it was i mean i don't have the number but the way he talked about it it's like mm. damn it was insane when you bought the rt but <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, i'm sure that car was significantly higher but so you know, with that being said, if he's kind of thinking about that, you know, I, I don't know. He's got between the RT and the Hemi car. I, I don't know. He did. He talked about the Hemi car being listed for 25 grand. I don't know what he actually paid for it. I didn't ask him. But, you know, if it's if it's close, say 20 to 25. And then, you know, I, I don't I'm not going to divulge what he paid for the RT. But he's got a lot of money sitting in the driveway just because oh, yeah. of cars. And it's like, man, if if that if that shaker car is a significant chunk of cash, it's gonna be it'd be pretty hard. I think his I think he was saying his wife even said something about selling the Hemi car, like, okay, you need to get that thing all cleaned up so you can sell it. You know, like <laughs> you can't have you can't have a bunch of expensive cars laying in the driveway, like, you know tying up a bunch of cash so oh, yeah, yes I, you I, can johnny <laughs> <laughs> well apparently mike can right <laughs> uh i i've talked to him uh on many occasions um and he's let me in on some of the stuff and uh we have conversations every once in a while because I, I like to get in coffee's head a little bit and see what he's what he's up to and um it would have to be the right some of the offers he's been getting on that coronet <laughs> I'm like, gosh, that would be so tempting for me. Um, yeah. But, you know, because if I told him, I was like, dude, if you got rid of the the six pack car, the Hemi car, you know, you're right in that territory of a fully restored, you know, a 12 or depending on how much you could squeeze out of them, you might be in the wing car territory if you can find one. You know, yeah. um, I know there's a white Superbird 
It's a, a 440 Super Commando car. Um, I believe it's got the pistol grip in it. It's white with black interior, and it's up. For, I think it's on eBay for like 200 grand. I'm like, God, that's a lot. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. Uh, if, I, if I was in his position, you know, it seems like he. Enjoy, I think he enjoys the flip. I think he. I think he lives for that. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? I think he does too. He's he's a picker and he's a flipper. Yeah. Yeah. Whether he wants to admit it or not, um, he uh, he did say in the RT video that I did uh, with him, he did say that he's like, if I let go of the RT, um, he's like, it's got to be for something, you know, worth letting go for. So he was talking about like AAR Cuda and yeah. six pack car. Mm-hmm. He, I guess he's got a buddy that has one that might be for sale. So, yeah. so it's a. Uh, I don't think he would just sell it and take the cash. It's like he would sell no. it and, and, you know, keep it in that realm of, yeah. you know, you said it's got to be a four speed, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man, that super or that uh, Cornette is so cool. Um, if I had, if I know at least one of the offers that he's gotten that he was considering, and I, I was thinking about it after I got done talking to him and I was like, if I had that money, would I make that offer on that car? Um, because we had talks when he first got it. And what I, what I, what I thought it was worth, you know what I mean? And he's been getting offers over that. And I was like, gosh, you know, and the more I, when I saw the car in person, I was like, man, it doesn't get much cooler than that. Perfect patina on it. Uh, you know, he threw the top on it. It looks, it looks awesome. That car is awesome. It it does. I I was, when I was doing that video, I took, uh, I was going through some pictures so I could post on the video. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I asked Randy cause you know, Randy is the guy that was involved with bringing the core, the cars to California. Right. And, and, uh, he was cool with it as long as I gave him credit for the pictures. And, uh, when you look at the RT sitting where it was sitting, you know, at Randy's place, it's like, man, it looks kind of beat down when you see the picture of the car versus how the car looks now. And it's like, it's perfect. He put a, he found hood scoops for it that still had green. Yeah. Yeah. That made a huge difference. It's like, cause I'm looking at the picture and it's like, man, the whole top of the hood looks wiped out. But when you look at his car in real life with the, the painted hood scoops and they're not painted, fresh painted, they're, they're actual original paint, you know, from some other car. Uh, but it, it looks perfect, you know, and then putting the white top on it, I think really spruced it up. The car looks great, dude. I mean, you look at the condition of that car, it is in, excellent condition oh yeah i would drive the shit out of that thing <laughs> yeah. well, um, <laughs> speaking of awesome b bodies tad the, <laughs> the coronet is now running it is it is why don't you go ahead and, and for the people that um haven't heard the story about the car kind of give them a give them a background on the car and the <clears throat> trials and tribulation you, you've gone through recently because that was i was on the edge of my seat i was like oh no that's insane but uh, it came close i was like <sighs> um so the backstory I, I mean i keep thinking about it and I, I keep having the number six in my head because it's been i think it's been six or seven years now that i've really? had it so it's funny because i had a couple other cars and i was working on my buddy one day he he I'm talking to him and he's like, Oh, I just bought this. He kind of flips cars. I bought this Camaro. He's like, if you, was your, what's your favorite car? If you could have your dream car. And I'm like, I don't know. A super B totally just like out of the loop. I'm like not thinking about buying one or anything. The next day he's like, dude, I found your car. And I'm like, what do you mean you found my car? <laughs> he's like, check this out. And it's like on eBay. I think it's in uh, North Carolina is East coast. 
And he's like, look, man, it's, this is it. It's like numbers matching complete car. Like it needs some rust work, but it looked, and he, he was a body guy and stuff. And he was like, we could totally do this. And it was on eBay and it was at like $5,000. So I was like, oh, it had two weeks to go. So I'm like, I'll watch it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. So like two days before the auction ends, it's at like 8,000. So I'm like, oh, so I'm like, I'll, I'll put 8,100. Someone in the last five minutes is going to outbid me. <laughs> I, I, I'm literally sitting there watching that thing, dude. And it clicks down to zero. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I just bought a car. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like, so, you know, I, I, I had, I sold another, I had a 64 Land Cruiser that I had restored and I sold that. And then I had to figure out shipping from the East coast and it, it was, it was a lot getting it back, but it finally arrived. You know, I have a video of them backing it into my driveway and stuff. And cool. I mean, at that time I lived in a newer neighborhood and I mean, it, it barely fit. So the garage door would go down. Like the garage is two car garage, but it, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, is the door going to shut? I know that pain all too well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So I mean, when it got there and I looked over it, I mean, literally, so the bottom six to eight inches of the quarter panels were just cut off. I mean, there was no trunk floor <laughs> in it. The lower edges, they were just I totally cut off. Um, I mean, the, the, the little filler panel in the back was like, totally separated from the package tray. Like it was, oh, there was wow. like, it rusted all the way around the side. I mean, I literally cut the entire back of the car off and replaced <laughs> everything. Now, luckily the frame rails were all solid, like yeah. that whole. So, you know, I just, I made one big order from, I think it was from a classic out here and just this UPS truck showed up one day and it was just like, basically unloaded the back of a car out of there. <laughs> out of their truck. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, I mean, I just over about a year or so, I just, you know, I, I'd never done this before. It was like my first time cutting a car apart like this, doing this intensive work. Yeah. But, but as I started kind of cutting things away, I'm like, Oh, this is like a big puzzle. Cause like these new pieces, when the old ones are gone, the new ones fit right on. So I, yeah. you know, so I just one by one and you know, people are like, Oh, you have to put crossbars in and supports and this and that, or it's going to twist. And I'm like, I'm doing one piece at a time. So it was like, I think it was like passenger quarter. Um, I cut the tail panel out because the tail panel was completely gone. Um, and when that was out, I slid the trunk floor in between the quarter panels. So I got that in, in one piece and then just kind of worked my way around and clamped everything together with Clico clips. I mean, the whole car was clamped together with clamps and Clico clips. God. And then one of the arms on the trunk was rust. The support was rusted out. So I couldn't even shut the trunk correctly. So I had to get that fixed and get the trunk to make sure it fit before I just started welding stuff together. Um, but yeah, I did that, got that done and then, uh, decided to paint it. I actually had to do something else I had to do was the door pillars on both sides, front and back were wasted. So I had to, the two back pillars where the, where the, where the door shut were, I had to replace those completely. The front ones, it was just like the lower half. So I had to cut the lower halves out and like splice in repair panels from that I got from, um, from AMD. So as a, ton of work man but uh i so i got that back together i mean i i just learned along the way like you know just i got to put body filler here and filler this in, not body filler but the seam sealer and mm. sealed things up and put things together and i mean finally got it all kind of pasted back together again and then ended up I, the, the house i was in then had a two 
too wide, like too deep garage. So it was a giant garage. So I, I taped off a big area for a paint booth and set up fans and everything. And just, I painted the whole thing, all the primer, all the paint and everything in my garage. Um, how many cars, how many cars had you painted before that car? So <laughs> right before knew, knowing that I was going to paint the super V I had the time I had a 65 dart actually that I bought from Chris Fields. It was, Oh, okay. Yeah, I, got I remember from him. you telling me about that. Yeah. So I had bought that car and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to like scuff this car up and paint it and see what it's like to paint a car. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I did, I scuffed it up. I, it was single stage though. Right. So I, I, I didn't, at the time I didn't, I knew the difference, what they were, but not how they went on. So I scuffed that car up, pushed it in, painted it. And I mean, it, it came on, it was really orange peely and stuff. And I'm like, at least I got the feel of the gun and how to move and stuff. And I'm, I'm using literally like everything I used was from Harbor Freight. So like literally <laughs> the $15 gun that you can buy, I got on sale for $7. <laughs> so I bought three of them, you know? So, um, so I painted that car. It came out okay. I kind of learned a little bit of speed. I watched a lot of videos and it was like, do this, you know, go this speed, overlap 50%, listen. To that. And like when I got in there and I realized air pressure and everything else, I'm like, you really got to. Somebody told me that I talked to at the paint store. They're like, lay it down exactly how you want it to look when it's dry. So I'm like, okay. Because when I would do 50% coverage, I could look over it and see speckly parts in it. So I knew, okay, I need to put more paint down there. So when I got to the Super B, you know, I did two stage and when you lay down the color, it's like watered down like baby powder. I mean, it's super <laughs> runny. It's not like the single. So I'm, I'm laying it on and it's thick and, I, and it goes on it. I did the engine compartment first and I laid it in and it was so thick that it like clumped up and like it looked like it was ripping Oh, shit. From the, I mean, it just like all slid down basically that the, the oh. vertical walls, you know, so or the wow. engine compartment. So I was like, crap. So I went back real quick and dabbed that and I went back over at light and it, it turned out okay. But, um, so anyway, painted that ended up running out of paint. So I had to go back and buy another gallon. Well, they mixed the two same codes, but when I, so I painted the engine compartment and the inside of the car completely. And when I went back and started painting the outside with the new gallon, it's like, I, as soon as I popped the can, I'm like, this looks like green, almost like a little more green than the other one. As soon as I put it on, I could totally see that they totally screwed up the first batch of paint. Oh, no. <laughs> so it didn't match the second batch. Oh, man. So then I had to go back, scuff up the engine compartment, paint all that again. But it wasn't a, a huge deal. But um, I mean, I, I had to go back and scuff it all up again. The inside of the car, I just left because I was going to be covered with everything, door panels and carpet and everything else. So, um. So yeah, I mean, I got that. I painted the fenders, doors, everything else separate, and that's so yeah. So to answer your question, very first car that I wow. really, really painted um, at this this level. So I went, I painted the main part of the car, and then I took the doors and fenders and everything, and put them in. And when I put the fenders on and the doors, I'm like, ah, I like for me, I could see the difference. There's a there's a difference in the shade oh. of yellow, mm. and what I realized is painting the huge part the, the main part of the car i did three coats on everything but it's a lot harder to tell how thick your coats are and how much you're putting on but when i'm painting a door i can i mean i'm just going back and forth and i can see exactly what i'm doing and i got it coated really well yeah so it's the same color yellow it's just deeper because it's got more paint on it so i mean i, I look at it and i'm like 
I can see the difference and it, it, it kind of bums me out, but everyone's like, don't worry about it. No one's going to notice it. Like, you know, cause it's your car and this and that. And I'm like, I know I don't even care anymore. I'm just driving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I did that. I mean, everything on it was totally rebuilt. I did that. I mean, what they call like a nut and bolt restoration, everything. I mean, I, I tore everything out, rebuilt the front end, had the engine rebuilt. I mean, the engine I had rebuilt seven years ago and it sat on a stand for six years, like, totally done and rebuilt sitting there. <laughs> Same thing with the transmission. So, you know, it got all that stuff. It's funny when I put the engine and stuff in, I had it mounted to the K frame. So I'm like in my garage, like, how am I going to get this thing in there? Cause I don't want to take it off the K frame. And I, there's a beam that ran across the top of the garage. And I'm like, I look up there and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I literally, I, I bolted two metal brackets on either side of it. And, and, and then put lag bolts in a, a big, heavy piece of chain. And I used my come along. I hooked it on there and I, I went down and hooked the front of the car on the come along. And I raised the front of the car up like it was doing a wheelie. And I slid the engine under it and loaded it, lowered it down over top of the engine. <laughs> so you're I, crazy. I, all, by, all by myself. <laughs> so I got that in there, got it bolted in. And then it was just pieces going back on, you know, having to get everything so I could actually roll the car, getting everything put back together. Um, I mean, I'm kind of jumping way ahead, but it, I ended up moving out of that house and I, and I had to get it rolling and movable. So mm -hmm. I did that. I got the front back together, all the suspension hooked up, the rear end back in, all that stuff together. I, I got it on. I, so I brought it from Temecula, where I live, up to Canyon Lake, which is a 20, 25-minute drive on the freeway. Um, but I, instead of putting it fully on a trailer, I, I put the front end up on a tow dolly, and I just pulled the drive shaft out so it wouldn't turn the transmission on the way from Temecula to Canyon Lake though, I'm like, I'm going to run by the windshield place that I use for all my cars and have them put the windshield in it. So I don't know why I wasn't thinking, but I, I pulled into the windshield place and it's a long kind of narrow driveway to their garage, but there's no way out the other side. Oh, shit. So I'm, it's on a tow dolly. Oh shit. <laughs> so not only is it hinging at the truck, it's the tow dolly actually hinges on mm. top of the frame. Yeah. So I'm trying to back this thing out and it's, oh, no. it's, it's bending in two places. <laughs> oh no. And I mean, I finally got it out, but I actually, I actually turned it at one point and it twisted so much that it hit up against these plastic bumpers on the, uh, on the tow dolly. And it like put a couple dents in the door on the bottom. Oh. I mean, the doors are on the inside. They look good on the outside, but the inside they're just, they're, really rusted and trashed and i had to again with the doors bolt on i had to cut all that out and replace all those supports and everything so at some point i'll get new doors so i'm not too bummed out but i at the time i was just like i had just moved it i just moved into a u-haul truck and i'm trying to get this car and i'm like i don't even care i just want to get to the house <laughs> so they ended up putting the windshield in um and then I, I literally got it up here so what happened with the engine was i had when I had it built, the guy was like, Oh, I'll put these roller rockers in it. It's hydraulic, hydraulic lifters. I'll put these, I think they're PRW or PWR roller rockers in it. And I, I didn't know anything about, you know, I just like, well, how's that going to help me? And like, Oh, it'll give you like 20 horsepower. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Sounds cool. You know? So I put all this stuff in Well, I went through and adjusted all the valves exactly how I had like watched videos, read stuff about how to set the preload and all that kind of stuff. So I get that all done. I, 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 I'm ready to start it, you know, and I'm just 
you know, I was super nervous. So I text, actually I text Chris Field and I was like, man, I'm ready to do this. Like, I'm kind of nervous. Like, do you have any advice? And he was like, listen, because he came out to my house one day, he and his body guy just to kind of look at it before I painted it. Cause I was going to have them do kind of the rest of that. And he's like, listen, I've seen the car. I've seen everything you've done. And he's like, honestly, you've done more on a car than I've ever done. Like I've never done a complete car like that. So he's like, I'm oh, wow. confident, you know what you're doing. Like you're, you're going to be fine. Just run through things, make sure it's okay. You know, things are looking right. And then just, just do it. You're, you'll be fine. You know? And so I did, I started it up, um, got timing set and stuff. And it was like halfway through breaking it in. I mean, I'm at like 2000 RPM. It's everything's going okay. It sounds a little flattery, you know, and all of a sudden I get this like popping noise. It's like, pop, 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 pop. and I'm like, Oh crap. And I'm like listening. Well, actually let me back up prior to that. I start getting this high pitched whine, like a bearing going out. And I was like, Oh crap. And then I'm like, Oh, I forgot to fill the power steering pump with fluid. Oh, <laughs> so, so I turned it off real quick and I just cut the, I just cut the belt to the power steering um, pump. And then I started it back up it just started back up fine. It was running. And then it started making that popping noise. And I'm like, Oh, okay. What does that sound like? It sounds like it's coming out of the carburetor. Like it's not, doesn't sound like a rod or something like that. So I, I finished breaking it in and then kind of went back and asked a few people what they thought. And they're like, Oh, you wiped your cam out. Like, that's what it sounds like. Everybody was kind of like the worst case scenario. So I'm like, yeah, I just pulled the valve covers off and see what I can find. And I popped off the driver's side and basically cylinders three and five, the push rods had come completely out from under the, the, the rockers. And then I think it was the, one of the other, I think the intake on number five, the push rod was like the shape of a Z. I mean, it, was, it had popped <laughs> oh out God. and like rammed up against in there and just totally bent it into like three different shapes. Jesus. And then the exhaust on number three, I looked in and I'm like, Where? I don't even see the push rod. Like, Where'd it go? <laughs> And I took a God. magnet and stuck it in there and it was in two pieces. Like oh, it, had, it had completely broken in half and fallen in there. So I'm like, oh, so I pulled those out, pulled the lifters out of there and I pulled the lifters out and they were perfectly smooth on the bottom. There was no damage to them or anything. I looked at the cam, the cam was fine. So I, I, I just, I think I dodged a huge bullet there. I think they fell out and got out of the way soon enough that those two cylinders just weren't working basically the last 10 minutes of the break-in. So that's when I kind of did some more research, realized that people are like, don't use the roller stuff, just go back to stock. So that's mm -hmm. when I called Johnny. Um, Cause when I was moving, I had called him and said, Hey, I got a bunch of stuff. Do you want all these things? Like a bunch of random parts. And I'd given him a bunch of rockers and rocker arms. So I went by his place and, uh, yeah. In a baking pan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it was a Teflon <laughs> baking pan. <laughs> but, but I mean, even even he and I sitting there looking at him because we were looking at him for a while. I'm like, why does this one look different? This this rocker feel. And I, we realized there were kind of a mixture of small and big block stuff in there. Um, so I just brought the whole pan home. <laughs> um, so got got a complete set, uh, and then put those. Uh, literally, I drop the lifters back in. I think I had to buy one new lifter because one of the buttons had popped out of the top of one of them. Well, I put it back in, but I could see where the push rod had mashed the edge of it. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't operate anymore. It wouldn't slide in and out anymore. So I had to replace that lifter. Um, so I put those all back in, bolted all back together, kind of check 
timing a little bit and stuff. I mean, I fired it up and it was like, I mean, I, I sent you the video, but I fired yeah. it up and it was like, thank God. <laughs> I mean, it like was purring, man. And I'm like, dude, I could, I like, I, I just, it was, I couldn't believe it. So I got our timing set, got it, got everything set up for the RPM and everything. And I just let it run and break in. And I brought it back down, you know, at the end of breaking in, I brought it back down, set the, set the idle and stuff. And it was running awesome. And the, I, there's a couple things I still have to look at. One of them is when I have it in park and I don't have the kickdown linkage and stuff in yet, but when I put it in park and go to start it, it just clicks. It won't, it won't start. But if I put it in neutral, then it'll turn over and start. I think there's something not lined up right with the, uh, with the transmission to, to allow that. The, Cause isn't there like a parking, there's like a, a parking switch on the transmission. I think that it has to be neutral, in neutral, neutral safety switch. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think, so I think it, that's, if you got slop, sometimes you got slop in your, your shifter and stuff and it, mm -hmm. the arm may not be going all the way to the end where it's in park. Okay. So your transmission's not, the lever is not going into park. Okay. You could probably crawl under the car and just push it with your hand and it'll go into park and then it might start. But just follow all the linkage and find out where the slop is. Um, there's adjustability in some of that stuff too. I mean, yeah. I can't tell you exactly on the top of my head, but you know, um, and I think the later ones, uh, well, even that one, there's like these plastic bushings, you, you know, that arm that comes off the transmission. Yep. yep. There's a plastic bushing in there. Mm -hmm. uh, if they get loose when they're old and original, they make them new. So you can pop a new one in there and it'll help tighten everything up when you're putting the car in and out of gear and stuff. So, okay. Yeah. I have, to, all that. yeah I have to check that. It has a, an MSD, like, um, what are they called? It's one of the MSD ignitions where it's just like a drop in and go. It has everything built into it. So I think I have to work on some timing because it, because it ran perfect. Everything got broken in. I shut it off. I went back out a couple days later to start it and it was just having trouble firing and starting up. So I think there's some adjustment in the timing. I just kind of, I, to, to break it in, I didn't put gas in the tank. It has a brand new tank and stuff, but I just used a gas can and I think it sucked enough gas out that it's not picking enough up anymore to feed the carburetor. So it's, it's just having a little trouble starting again. Um, the one thing I forgot to mention is, and I sent you this video too, is when we were initially start trying to start it, I had my son in the car. <laughs> so he's turning it over as I'm out working the carburetor, right? Well, that's after it had, I'd got everything set at the old house, moved it out here while we're trying to start it and it wouldn't fire. And he turns over one time and it exploded so loud. <laughs> I have God. the muffler, I have the muffler on my coffee oh, table, it, like literally brand new turbo muffler, like split open, like a tin can. I mean, it exploded and like, you could see the sound wave in the video, <laughs> but he was sitting in the car, like right on top of it, you know, <laughs> my and it, God. Just, it exploded. And he was like, what was that? I'm like, I'm not really sure. Let me look under. <laughs> this lady came down from behind where my parking thing is. She comes down. This little lady comes out and she's like, "What was that?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's okay. I was just breaking my car." And then she's like, "Sounds like someone threw something at my house." <laughs> so she's like, so, "Broke it." Yeah, you sure yeah. did. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So we got so that, that luckily that that muffler was everything was brand new. So was, I just slipped it off, got a new one, and everything slid back on and got that repaired. But um. So yeah, now it's that. Now it's I got to get the brakes adjusted a little bit. I got them. I had bled them out, but they're 
they softened up again. So I got to figure out what that's about. And then just went door glass. I got to put the back windows in a lot of just small mechanical stuff like that. And it should be close, man. <laughs> gosh, how many Oh shit moments have you had with that thing? Dude, <laughs> I, I, I can't even tell you, man. I mean, oh. there, there were, there were times in my garage when I was doing the metal work that I was just like, it, it's kind of like Johnny mentioned earlier about the making the videos. It's like, you have to look at what's right in front of you. Mm. Cause if you try to look at the whole road ahead of you, man, it's like, okay, I have this car for sale. Who wants to buy it? It's a project. <laughs> you can't, you can't look at it all. And when he looked, yeah. when I look back at it now and I think about the hours that I sat in there grinding and cutting and welding. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, how much, how much welding experience did you have before you took on that project? I bought the welder to do the project. <laughs> so l- literally none. I mean, I, I, I literally bought the welder. I had a bunch of scrap metal and stuff and I watched a lot of videos, but it, yeah. I, I've always been good. Like when I like woodworking, mm-hmm. building stuff, like I, you know, like, I've always been good working with my hands. So it's like, I knew if I just got the feel of it, you know, so I I watched some videos, I put some metal together and I just started welding. And like, again, they say, Oh, weld, hold it and and move at this speed. And it's like, I think that works if you have a perfect welder, but again, a Harbor freight welder. So it was like a hundred bucks. What's that? Flex core. Flex core. Yeah. (sighs) Flex core, uh, Harbor freight, like hundred dollar welder. (laughs) So when, when Tad takes that car to car shows <laughs> and people hear the story, they're going to think he's fucking insane. Honestly, I wouldn't know any better. Cause again, it's the first, I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've mechanically fixed other old cars, but I've never done this. So it was like yeah. all learning. It was a learning curve, like <clears throat> walking up a wall, you know? So, um, so, so yeah, I didn't have, I, I took the metal, like I learned, okay, I can keep it there this long and, and how it kind of the metal reacts to it and stuff. And I, and I just got used to my welder also, like you get, it's, it's, they're all different. So, and then literally to do a lot of the spot welding, I bought again, like online, I bought like a $120, like, like big, like spot welder that I could clip under the, the parts that I could get to, like where the wheel tubs and the outer quarter panels come together. Yeah. I spot welded all those with a big just handheld spot welder. Um, yeah. Everything I could reach with that, I do. So you're probably making my buddy, my buddy Paul in the chat is a welder, like a professional oh. welder. So he's probably <laughs> sitting there like, Oh my God. Well, he, he would probably look at it and be like, Oh, that is the ugliest welder. <laughs> but if anybody's listening and thinking about I, the, the Harbor freight flux core welder is the trap. Cause it's like, I mean, I don't know what they're going for now, but they were about 150 bucks. Right. So you think, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty decent investment. Cause if you get a, a nice one, like a Lincoln or a Miller, you know, that, uh, in the wire feed, um, or MIG, I should say, you know, they're probably about five or 600 bucks, but by, by mm-hmm. the time you get all the little shit you need for it. So you think, Oh, I'll buy the flux core shittiest freaking welds ever. I mean, you can make it work, but shit, you end up grinding a lot of the shit you weld on. It just takes so much time. It was a waste of money. Like those things, if you're watching this and thinking about it, don't buy it. Just save your money, get yourself a MIG welder, you know, a little Lincoln or a Miller, and you'll be 
light years ahead. So, so that's the thing. That's a good thought because like, that's the way my brain works is like, Oh, I can get this one for less. But in the long run, it's like, how much money did I spend in like in grinding discs? <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? It's like, in the end, it evens out, but up front, it's like, Oh, a hundred dollars versus $400. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. again, like with the whole build, it's like not knowing the difference. I'm like, Oh, welder. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into Harbor Freight and saw that fucking thing for 79 bucks and been like, maybe I'll just buy it and have some fun. And then I remember Johnny and I had this conversation once and he was like, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I learned is that the, the wire that comes with it is like junk. I mean, I would just yeah. throw in the trash. I, I went, I went and bought better wire, like Lincoln wire and stuff. And like, mm. even and that well. The welder that comes with the wire is also junk. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm done with that. Now it's just small project stuff. You know? <laughs> I'm going to send Johnny. I'm going to send Johnny over there to take a look at this car, Tad, and make sure it's safe to drive. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, 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 like I said, it's you know the thing is like on sheet metal. Yeah, there were times because honestly, on the welder too, it's like high and low. So mm. it's like you're either you're either getting enough to have to keep it on there a while. If you put it on high, you're just blowing through the, the sheet metal. So that's what I had to learn too, is like, okay, I got to figure out, you know, even distance and all that kind of stuff. And I learned the welder and it worked. And I mean, I, I'm honestly, I'm really confident that the welds are not going to break or anything because they're on there. But uh, it just, yeah. it just took, it's not as easy. It's just getting one like Johnny saying a good one and like right out of the shoot being yeah. able to, to yeah. weld halfway decent, you know? When, when you go from a flux cord, like you, you know, cause I, I know because I did it, I, I know the trap I've walked into the trap before myself, you know, and, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that 150 bucks or hundred bucks was 70 bucks, whatever it was, I paid for it. It was throwing money in the trash can because that money could have went towards a nicer welder, which is what you end up doing. If, if you're, if you have a, a low threshold of pain, you end up going to the nicer welder, you know, and, and then when you do go to the nice MIG, it's just like, oh, my God, it's like butter. You know, yeah. once you get it dialed in right, it's just butter. You sit there and just, I mean, the flux core, it just, it's like it just builds up. And then it's like, ah, it's, you got these bubble gum welds on there. And you got to sit there and grind it off and then hit it again. And you waste tons and tons of time. And like you said, discs and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll never. I, I actually think, uh, you know, I, as much as we joke and stuff, Tad, one thing that I can say is that you'll be at these shows, you know what I mean? And chances are you put more time <laughs> in your car and you know that car better than most of those people probably know their own. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, you've been in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. that's what, like, with, with, I mean, so I started in old cars with, like, air-cooled Volkswagens and, like, I could oh, drive cool. down the road and I could hear something and be like, oh, I know what that is. Like, I just knew my car. I always worked on yeah. it. And that's kind of, like, with this one, if, if I hear something, I'm going to know, like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> so... I don't know. Yeah. I think I sent you a whole message about the difference between buying a car done and yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one, so. I can't wait to see the emails I get from this one. Like, Hey, go look at that car that Tad built. <laughs> <laughs> Someone go inspect that thing. <laughs> I, I imagine that, uh, that you did a good job. It just took you a long, long time. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is too, it's like, I mean, uh, at that house, I mean, I had, I had six kids running around and I was mm. married at the time and stuff. And so 
I'm working on it again. I'm talking six years, but I'm talking like one day every couple of weeks that I can go in there and work on it. You know what I yeah. mean? And then you get those periods of time where you get a bunch of time to work on it. And like that, that's how it is now. It's like, it's, it's, I just need to jump on it and do it. But between that and the demon, it's like, I've been focusing on the demon. So I just need to like, once I focus on the super B, it'll, it would get on quicker, but still kids running around and this and that. So it's like, uh. <laughs> let's talk about that demon, dude. God, I love that car. That's uh, another car that has perfect patina on it. God, it looks good. I, I, I think they, so the guy that I bought it from, um, totally randomly met him one day. I don't know. Riley's I had the Ram charger and I went in and I'm paying for something. And this guy's like, Hey, whose car is that out there? And a, a Ram charger. And I'm like, Oh, it's mine. So we started talking and he's like, yeah, I live up in Anza. I have these cars at my house. He's, I have a 68 Roadrunner and a 71 340 Duster and the Demon and a little red Express. I'm like, I'm like, are any of them for sale? And he's like, no. He's like, I don't think so right now. So I'm like, well, can I just come look at them? Like, I just want to see these cars, you know? So I went up one day and looked at them and I just told him, like, if you ever want to sell this, any of those cars, let me know. And he's like, okay. So I mean, time goes by. And then one day I get a text and he's like, uh, I think I, how do you say it? Something about, I think I finally talked myself into selling one or my, or something like that. So I'm like, Oh, so the demon basically, and he's had these cars, you know, up in Anza, like, you know, high desert kind of environment. But I mean, the demon was like six to eight inches in the sand. It was like the, the really was in the sand. Yeah. Oh so, <clears throat> so I'm like, okay. And, and, you know, he, we just decided, I mean, he, we decided on a price and I don't care about sharing that with you guys. He, so he's like, I'll sell it to you for 6,000. Um, with it at the time, it had a 340 in it. The 340 that's numbers matching to his duster. So oh, he's wow. like, "I'll I'll sell it to you for for six thousand without the engine." And I'm like, "Okay." So he pulls it into his garage one day, and he calls me up, and he's like, "You think you want this engine?" And I'm like, "He's like, I don't feel like pulling out right now." And I said, "Well, yeah. I mean, how much do you want to? Like, how much more are you thinking? You know, like five hundred yeah. bucks? <laughs> do I have a kid behind me?" Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It's my daughter. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we talk about it for a while and I'm like, well, do this. Like, cause he's like, I don't know if that came out of the duster or not. And I'm like, you need to check the numbers because I don't want to take your numbers matching engine for your 340 duster. Yeah. So he, he ends up checking it out and it's the numbers matching engine. So, oh, man. <laughs> so he, we, he, we lift it and take it out. Um, so anyway, I get the car. He's had it for like 15, 20 years. And, and I've, gotten some history on it his friend that he grew up with here in, in you know around escondido temecula area i mean they grew up on high school together and they had that car and i guess it came initially it came out of escondido that's where it originated from i don't know where it was originally bought or anything hang on a second come on <laughs> that's all good, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh they bought it. They raced it. They they hammered it for a while. It, it changed hands a number of times. I think at one point he said someone, somebody put an automatic transmission in it and and, ra- and drag raced it with an automatic transmission. And then they got it back and they pulled that out and they welded the, the hump back in. And I mean, when I first got it, the lower radiator support was totally cut out. They had welded some brackets in it to put a tow bar on it. And instead of doing it right, they just cut the bottom of the, <laughs> the uh, radiator support out. Um, so I replaced all that. But it's just, it changed hands a lot. And then it ended up on and his, his friend John moved and had these cars and had to put them somewhere. So they just parked them at his house in Anza. Um, and that's where it just sat in the dirt forever. Wow. And now you got a, you got an engine in it and it's running now? <clears throat> 
So yeah, so I got, I, when I initially was looking for it, an engine, after he said he wanted to keep his, I'm like, I just need to find an engine. And I couldn't find a 340 online. I found a guy that had a, <clears throat> a 360 out of a 98 Dakota RT. And I bought that for $1,000. He had just re- rebuilt the whole thing, knew everything. <clears throat> and then, and then again, Chris Fields reached out and was like, hey, I have this buddy who might have an engine for you. So he... Um, I called that guy. He got back with me and uh, he ended up had just built this 340 stock. It was, I think it's a 70 block with, with the, with the heads with bigger valves, like all the stuff on it. Um, and it was a complete engine from pan to carburetor all the way up. So I bought that from him. We dropped it in. Um, I still had the four speed tran- or transmission stuff. We got all that hooked up. And it took a little while. We, we tried to get it started and it was kind of rough. His friend John came out and this guy puts his hands on it and like, I mean, it purred. Like he just, <laughs> he, he had all these little, like I bought a new distributor and stuff for it. And he's like, he feel, he just took the distributor and turned the rotor and he's like, nah, it's not good. He's like, take that all apart. So we took the whole thing apart. He's like, you know, the two springs in the bottom. He's like, pull this spring out and throw it away. He's like, now give me your flathead. He sticks the flathead in the other spring and twists it and opens it up in like three spots. And he's like, now you're good. So we put it back together. You know, he's like, now when you start it, it's going to, that, that thing, the, those weights are going to open up right away and it's going to start right up. And he like, <laughs> I put it back together and this is like, starts like, I mean, like butter. It's just running perfect. So, I mean, he helped us get it really tuned in and, and get the timing set and everything. Um, and now, yeah, it's running now. It's so funny though. Cause we, we ran it, we broke it in. I've driven it around their yard, his house a few times, but it's got power brakes and it's missing the little, uh, check valve. Oh, so yeah. the, the brakes are just hard. So I'm just going to put manual, a manual master cylinder back in it. Um, cause I think that's what it had initially, but it's funny cause we go to start it, it starts fine. And now when I go to start it, it turns over, but it fires when I let off the ignition. So somebody was saying that probably the ballast resistor is messed up or burnt out or something happened with that. From that really, what could be? Yeah. My old blue truck was doing stuff like that, and uh, I put a new ignition switch in it. It went away, mm-hmm. and then it started. It started to die if I let go of the key, but if I held it on, but not on long enough to uh mess with the starter if i if i got it to crank and then just backed off a little bit it would stay running i let go and it shuts off put a ballast resistor in it and then it just started doing wacky shit that's why the blue truck got a wiring harness because i was like all right i'm done messing with this thing so i put another new ignition switch in it i put a new ballast resistor in it and then i did a wiring harness and i was like i better not have any more problems with this thing (laughs) did it did it work then yeah yeah. Okay. So I did. I did pull the dither dash harness out because it was all chopped up and stuff. I pulled it out and sent it to a guy in, in Wisconsin, and he totally rebuilt it, put a new um, a new block on it too on the firewall and stuff. So I haven't gotten that back in yet, but I'm hoping to uh, to um, sorry. <laughs> I'm hoping to get that stuff in, yeah, and, and then hopefully get it you know figured out. Um, but I think the coolest part of the car, and I was kind of sending you some numbers, Chris, is. You know, it's it's three forty four speed demon, mm. and it's that GA four, yeah. You know, like gunmetal metallic, and, and when I, that color alone, from what I've read, I, I think there were roughly like forty thousand demons built and stuff, or I'm sorry, darts built 
<clears throat> I can't remember the right way. If it's 40,000 darts built in 72 and 8,700 were demons or demon 340s, maybe. I don't remember the exact number. But I think 8,700 were demon 340s. I saw, I found a number recently and somebody said it was from the Galen information that, that like 1,667 of them, of those uh, were, were three or four speeds. So 344 speed demons, 1,667. I, ca- I can't figure out how many are the GA4 color. I yeah. do know that in general, I saw a number somewhere that said 2%. Of <laughs> yeah. all the de- all the demons built in seventy two were the GA four, which brings it down to like eight hundred. I think it. I think it was. Oh, I'm sorry, eighty seven hundred two. It's like one hundred and sixty five. I've never seen a GA four demon. I I believe I've seen GA four dusters. Yes. I've never seen a GA four demon. Right. Uh, which is, I mean, yours is really cool. I like it. So it's, awesome. so, it's so I'm trying to find out if there's one hundred and sixty that were. That's the the two percent of the total number made. How many of those were three forty four speed? You know what I mean? It's like it's got to be one of I don't know. I mean, one of a handful of, of cars that were that color. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Really yeah. quick, really quick. Uh, my yeah. buddy Phil Painter um, was in the chat, and he said, uh, "Hemis, we will have your Hemis in Las Vegas." What he's talking about is Muscle Cars at the Strip, March eighteenth through the twentieth. It's the twentieth anniversary, and they're going balls to the wall with this one. So it's supposed to be a, a huge, huge. Um, uh, Mo party, <laughs> basically, um, with obviously other muscle cars and stuff. But uh, I had a blast at Matt's last year or this year, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, March. Yeah, yeah. Um, Johnny, are you going to try to go again in March or what? Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. going to be cooler. I'd actually, I think March is going to be funner uh, than later in the year. But yeah, it'd be cool. I might. I don't know. I might take the D100 or something. I really want to have something there where just, yeah. you know, put putting around. If anything else, like, like we kind of we kind of did. We slapped GoPros on. Yeah, we only did it for a few minutes, but um, and didn't use any of the footage. But you mm-hmm. know, it'd be kind of cool to put all cameras and stuff on the truck and then just oh, like man. around and yeah. And I, I won't have to rent a car. <laughs> we can just cruise yeah. around in the tin grill. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be really um, cool. I need a if Phil, if you are listening to this, dude, Johnny and I need a golf cart. <laughs> Put yeah. us on a reservation list or something. I'll pay for it. We need a golf cart next time. Um, Slap a talking Mopar sticker on it. Yeah. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about the show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. And you just might get to hear yourself on the show. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Live. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.